Welcome to Lymphedema Podcast. I'm Betty Westbrook, Certified Lymphedema Therapist and the host of Lymphedema Podcast. The purpose of Lymphedema Podcast is to provide answers and explanations for people affected by the lymphatic disease lymphedema. This podcast is for patients, family members, medical professionals, and anyone interested in lymphedema. Each week, I discuss a new topic related to this disease to help you learn more and navigate better the journey ahead. Disclaimer, as a certified lymphedema therapist, all information provided is based on my professional experiences and education. I recommend that anyone who feels they have lymphedema or have been medically diagnosed with lymphedema seek in-person medical treatment from a certified lymphedema therapist. I'm so passionate about teaching others about lymphedema that I created this podcast. Thanks for joining me. I hope you're ready to learn something new today. Hey everyone, welcome back for episode 10 and a half. We stopped our interview with Vern right after she told her father Pete she had begun swelling in her leg. It was emotional and raw and relatable for so many of you listening. But Vern's response, we're gonna be okay, tells of her strength and bravery to fight. Let's finish where we left off. And when I finally got the guts to tell him he punched a hole in the wall. And he said, this family's cursed. That was so heartbreaking for both of you. Yeah. And um, he said, I'm sorry I gave this to you. I don't know what it is. I'm sorry. And I said, it's okay. We're going to be okay. So... um that was kind of um, a double-edged sword because when I was eventually diagnosed at that same clinic that he went to, I was lulled into a false sense of complacency that, oh, I'm mild, I'm thin, I'm in shape. Uh, back then, I think I had like 12% body fat at a six-pack. Um all I had was this swelling in my ankle. And after work each day, I would put on my Rikas and go to step aerobics class. And the next morning, the swelling would go down. And I managed it with for years like that. The only time I wore compression, and I only did it because my dad was on me all the time about it. I mean, every time he saw me, he'd say, where's your compression? Where's your compression? Um... I only wore compression during the winter or when I was wearing pants. I didn't, if it was hot outside or if I was wearing shorts or anything other than jeans or slacks, I wouldn't wear compression. And um, so eventually I got to the point to where it got really bad. After after I went bilateral is when I, I really started to lose control. Um, Having it in one leg was one thing, but having both legs is an entirely different story. Because um, then you can't rely on that good leg. And um, it got bad. It got ba- bad enough to the point to where I couldn't wear shoes. I only had one pair of shoes that I could wear to work. And they were these flat ballet type shoes, really stretchy. 
that were the worst thing I could have possibly worn at the time looking back because my lymphatic lakes, and for those of you that are listening and don't know what a lymphatic lake is, that's the top of your foot that rises and makes your feet look like a loaf of bread. Um, And my father would get after me and he'd say, you need to wear um, tight lace shoes. It was too late. I couldn't get my feet into shoes like that. Um, So what prompted me to get treatment was my husband and I one day went and uh, surprised my father uh, for breakfast. We we lived about two hours apart, and we woke up really early one day, and we decided we were going to surprise my dad out of the blue. And we drove down there, and he woke up. He was still asleep, and it was the first time that I had ever seen his leg exposed without compression. And I was wearing flip-flops, so it was the only thing to wear, you know, on the weekends outside of work. And I looked down at his leg, Betty, and I thought I was looking at something made of wood. It was very scaly. The skin integrity was very poor. Um, It just, it looked unreal. And especially since he had a good leg. So you saw the the lymphedema leg and the good leg side by side. If you saw those two legs in a picture, you wouldn't think that they belonged to the very same person. And I was was in shock. I was in shock and and he handled it very well. We we went outside and he said, I see you staring at me. Um, but you know what? You don't get to judge. You keep up, you keep it up, and both of your legs are going to look like this in 20 years. Except I can use a cane because I've got one good leg. You're not going to be able to use a cane. And he gave me a lecture about having insurance and having access and living in a city that was home to MD Anderson of all places. Um, what was my excuse for not getting treatment? Just not making the time for it. So I went and, and I was able to reverse everything. Um, I, I have virtually no fibrosis. And I owe that all to him because even though I was rebellious and didn't want to wear the compression full time, I don't know what it is to sit in a hot tub. I saw him get cellulitis one time from a hot tub. Woo-wee. Uh-uh. You can't pay me a million dollars to get to get into a public. I mean, I know some people have their own private, but I don't have one here at home, and you can't pay me enough money to get into a hot tub. I don't walk outside barefoot. There are a lot of things that I do to protect my skin, uh, to prep to prevent things like athlete's foot and whatnot uh, because of everything that I watched my father do. And I think that that's the only thing that was my saving grace um, for my particular lymphedema. And when did you learn about dystochiasis? 
Oh my gosh. <laughs> I learned about disguises way after the fact. Um, I learned about it in April of 2016. Wow. Um, so, again, late to the game on, on searching. Um, um, I was going to my doctor who initially referred me to treatment where I got the reduction and everything was great. I was doing great. And he sat me down and he said, well, it was my gynecologist of all people that did the referral. Um, he got on the phone and he said, look, I've got a patient. She's got hereditary lymphedema, but if she had BCRL, where would you send her? So that's how he got the referral then. So when I was back to my physical again, he said, Veronica, I can't treat you. You need to find, because if we need, if you need to um, take on insurance battles or do appeals or anything like that, he said, I'm not qualified to do that. You really need to find someone who specializes in lymphatics. So that's when I found um, Dr. Eric Moss He's my doctor here in Houston. And I made my appointment with him. I didn't think I would be able to get in because it says it's for wound and hyperbaric management. So when I went to my first appointment there, I saw people wheeled in on gurneys, um, wheelchairs, people with very, very serious wounds. Um, in that waiting room and I was just so thankful that, that they accepted me as a patient. So um, I went back there and he walked in when I meeting him for the first time. I told him a little bit about my history, my family history, and he takes out a jeweler's loop, you know, kind of little magnifying glass that you use when you're looking at a diamond to determine the clarity of a diamond. And I'm thinking in my mind, oh my gosh, I'm in the wrong place. <laughs> 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 what is this guy doing? I don't have lymphedema in my head or neck. I have it in my legs. <laughs> Maybe he has the wrong file. <laughs> Maybe he this was just interested. Maybe he was interested in your ring. I don't know. Maybe he wanted to check the clarity. It's funny. So he gets the jeweler's loop and he said, Would you sit still for a second? I'm going to open up your eyelids. And I'm like, Okay. So he looks in my eyes, he does the stemmer's test, you know, the whole night yard. Oh, he took off his glasses. He goes, yep, yeah, let me in my disguises. I'm going to get you some garments. I don't see much fibrosis. I mean, he just went on very matter of fact, very much like my father. <laughs> very much like my father in that, yep, this is what you have. Um, and he also told me that at that time in 2016 that I was only the second patient in 17 years of treating lymphedema patients to have lymphedema discosis. Wait, I have to clarify. He walked around with a special magnifying glass for something he had only seen once before in 17 yeah. years. Yes, because Dr. Moss, um, uh, he trained at Foldy. 
That's amazing. He trained at Foldy, and he said at Foldy, they receive education on all types of lymphedema. So one of the first things he does, or it is the first step in every single potential lymphedema patient, is to look at the eyes. Um, he says he does it without fail. It's a number one step. So that's another tip for therapists or even other doctors that are potentially lis- listening to this podcast. Um, I went through my entire adult life being told every time I went to for an eye exam or to get my eyes checked, do you know you have extra eyelashes? Do you want me to pluck them for you? Oh, no. And then being made to feel like some kind of, um, I don't want to use a word, but um, just being made to feel like I was being singled out because most of the time the ophthalmologist or eye doctor was like, this is incredibly rare. I want my staff. Do you mind if my staff comes in and sees? Oh, the second or third time, I was like, oh, yeah, I do mind. I don't want people breathing up on me. And <laughs> you have to get you very know. close to look at eyelashes. Yeah, I mean, I'm happy. My last eye, eye doctor, I've been with him for a while. I told him, I said, um, I don't mind showing your top student or your top two, but you know, don't don't bring in five, six people in here. Um, looking at it so um yeah he was the one that told me about the correlation and then I went back and I educated my eye doctor good for and you. he said and he said I had no idea I had no idea that your lymphedema and your eyelashes were connected he goes now I know now I can make that potential referral if I see it going forward wow. so Every time, I mean, my gen, I educate everyone around me. My dentist, um, I had a personal trainer at one point. Um, there's a story there, too. Um, she was my running coach, and she trained another client that, lo and behold, had the swelling. And uh, she actually had some type of, I don't know if it was debulking surgery. She had some type of surgery to, to try to remove the swelling. But I told her, I said, you're two miles from treatment. This is lymphedema. This is not, um, you know, something that you're doing wrong. This is a hereditary disease. So, um, yeah, I just inform everyone that's around me. So I went back and I told my eye doctor about lymphedema dyskiasis. Um, I was able to do the the speech in Atlanta with the good people at Lighthouse Lymphedema Network about it. And and the good part about it, not the good part, but the the one of the things that has come out of this is um, the more and more family members that I talk to, the more I realize that we have more family members impacted. And I think there are up to seven now. Has anyone considered the genetic testing? I've been doing a little research on that myself. And then you mentioned that a minute ago, talking about you telling the doctor to look it up. Has anyone else in your family 
identified that gene or is that anything that anyone on your dad's side of the family is interested in pursuing? We're all interested in pursuing. Um, now that we know, it's just financially. Um, when I went to investigate from even myself and my son um, and even my brother, I mean, so far my brother has not presented, but two of my first cousins were in their 40s when they presented, uh, when it developed. So, and that is one of the things that I found in my research that with lymphedema discosis, you can develop it up until the age of 50. Um, so uh, when I talked to Dr. Moss about it, he said that uh, I had just missed a genetic um, study. And when we looked into the insurance aspect, I think it was something like $10,000 um, to get tested. So I don't know if it has to do with insurance barriers or what the, what the ins and outs are of that are, but I definitely would, if, if I had an infant and that resource was available to me as a parent, I would definitely ask for genetic testing. So I think your story is amazing. I think it is eye-opening and inspiring. I'm a little blown away. <laughs> I'll just, I'll just put it like that. I think it's incredible that all these things kind of came into place. Um, what if you had taken a different road that day? What if you hadn't seen the billboard? You know, just the different things in your life that really brought you to this place. The journey may not have always been easy, but man, it's really helping others. What advice would you give to others who are living with primary lymphedema? that may or may not know it, or that may suspect it, they may even have a full diagnosis. What would you say to someone out there listening? The first thing I would say is you're braver and you're stronger than you think. I know a lot of times it, it seems overwhelming. Um, you may have a variety of symptoms. Um, you may be the only person in your family or in your circle of, um, within your, your social circle that has this. And it's not your fault that you were born this way. There, there's nothing that you did. You just alluded to the forks in the road, you know, what if I had done this? What if I had done that? Um, um, I, I think a lot of times people with primary lymphedema really struggle with the fact that nobody believes them. I did a post on Selma Blair, I think yesterday, and her MS diagnosis journey. And a lot of doctors will tell you that this is, that this is in your head, that it's just a little bit of swelling or that you that all you need to do is elevate at the end of the day or wear they don't even call them correctly. They say Ted hose, which is completely inappropriate um, for lymphedema. Um, edema can be born with abnormalities in the lymphatic system and just not know it. And sometimes it's a result of an underdeveloped system. So, you know, if you were born with 
nine fingers instead of 10, you would know it right away. We don't know that about the lymphatic system unless you have significant in-depth testing, which can be expensive, but then you have to find the right doctor that has that knowledge to make the referral. So, you know, it's not your fault, but what we can do is know that number one, lymphedema can impact any part of the body and be present in multiple regions when you have primary lymphedema. I didn't know that. I, they call it spreading, but I think technically in, in the medical world, that's incorrect. Um, the lymphatic system fails in particular points in the body. Um, and when you have primary lymphedema, you need to know that that's a possibility. And a lot of people don't know that and they don't realize. I certainly didn't realize, even with having a parent that had lymphedema, that because I only saw it in his one leg. So how was I supposed to know I could get it in both? Um, I didn't find out about my grandfather until later. Um, so that, and then this is going to be a little bit controversial, um, but I'm going to say it because I think it's very important. Don't draw lines with other forms of lymphedema. Don't make it a primary versus secondary. Don't make it a man versus a male versus female, child versus adult. Don't draw lines with national origins, um, with different countries, because the more we draw lines or create labels, the more we weaken our community. Together we are stronger. And it, um, it, it's really, it's critically important to have the mindset that there are almost 10 million Americans with lymphedema, 150 million worldwide estimated, and it's all the same lymphedema. Nobody has a better journey than anybody else. We all have varying degrees of the same symptoms. And um, so I, I think that that's important. It, it's, it, I really believe in that, in that we need to be one voice making those political demands on Capitol Hill for compression or wherever you are in the world to your governments. Um, make those demands for compression coverage and demand a cure. That's what we all want, regardless of how we got it. What we want is a cure, and we all need to be just in unison towards that mission, towards that goal of finding a cure. Um, it's just, I just cannot stress that enough. The last thing that I would say is empower yourself with knowledge, and, that, and that's where I'm, I'm going to plug my groups again. You know, it's about that. So more, some people have a, a good support system in place that's in person. Uh, they go to in-person support groups, and that's great. If you don't have that, we do have online support communities. 
But the important thing is to empower yourself with knowledge so that you are able to have that intelligent conversation with your physical therapist or your certified lymphedema therapist, your physiotherapist, your doctor, and be able to challenge and say, what about nighttime garments? What about surgery? What about this brand versus this brand? Why why are you recommending this? Why not Velcro? Do I really have to do wraps? Are there different types of wraps I can use if I'm breaking out and I have a rash? Can I use a different stocking net? Um, because if you just accept at face value who you're working with, then those may not be the very best options for you. I'm sure that that person on the other side may have your best interests at heart, but sometimes if it's not working out, you don't know what you don't know. If you don't know to ask, that's an incredibly, um, difficult situation to be in. So join support groups, join patient communities to arm yourself with knowledge and, and self-advocate. I know a lot of times we patients get together and we talk about pain and we talk about symptoms and we talk about um, different aspects of living with this disease and then a resource becomes available that's knowledge, has knowledge, you know, like a speaker. And then we get quiet, we clam up. And nobody wants to ask a question because there's a lab coat in the room or someone in scrubs. And we shouldn't do that. <laughs> that's when we should be chattering the, you know, chatting the most and asking the most questions is when we have a medical professional's ear. And if you don't get the answer, so what, you know, at least you try, right? I, I think knowledge is power. It, it's really, really, with as little information as, as we start out with, or we started out, at least in my journey, you know, back in 94, in the early 90s, or even my dad in the 80s, um, late 70s, there's so much available today that wasn't available back then. And I really, I mean, I fundamentally believe in the good of all people. And I do think that there are good doctors still out there. I do think that there are good um, therapists out there that want to go that extra mile and find that solution for that particular patient. So if you find a medical professional that's meeting willing to meet you halfway because I've experienced the other side of not receiving the gold standard. But I didn't know I wasn't receiving the gold standard because I didn't have the knowledge. So I didn't question it. I just took it at face value and then realized $5,000 later out of pocket that I really didn't get a value for my money. And that in and of itself left me feeling very upset. I love so many things that you said. I want to highlight two. The quote of we are one voice is so important because, and I don't want to, I hesitate because I don't want to throw out another disease, but you don't really hear patients in the oncology community 
saying, well, my cancer is worse than your cancer or this cancer versus that cancer. Everyone hates the C word. Mm-hmm. They, they call it the C word. They don't even tell you what kind of cancer it is. They just say, I have cancer. And lymphedema is very similar. It is the same disease with varying presentations mm-hmm. and origins. But we should hate that L word just as much and be putting as much energy and research and brain power into finding the cure. And I agree I, I 100% really, with you. I really love your We Are One Voice worldwide, which is what yes. last week was all about with World Lymphedema Day on March 6th. And then the whole month right now is Lymphedema Awareness Month. And as a therapist, I want my patients to ask me questions. I want you to challenge me. I want you to ask me something I don't know. I like when you ask me things I do know because I do want to tell you and inform you and just help you. But I want you to ask me questions too. If you have a question that I don't have an answer to, I'm going to look for it. I'm going to do my best. I'm going to reach out to people that mentor me and I'm going to try to find that answer for you. And so I would just encourage a patient that if their therapist isn't doing that, if they do have a therapist, because I know not everyone is lucky enough to actually have a lymphedema therapist near where they are. But if you do have a therapist and they're not willing to do that and they kind of brush you off, um, Mm -hmm. find another therapist. Tell them to kick rocks because that's what I would do. My mother-in-law, she is the reason why I even took a chance on becoming a lymphedema therapist. And if she told me that she wouldn't talk to someone and they were like, "Uh, well, no, you're too mild. We're not going to worry about it. I would have told her to get another oncologist because I threatened to lay down in front of the airplane when she was planning her first vacation after having surgery. And I told her, I said, you will not get on that airplane without compression probably in a much nicer tone of voice because I'm married to her youngest child and not her own child. (laughs) But Mm -hmm. I did tell her, I'm not going to let you get on that plane. And she really nicely said, well, I'm going to talk to my oncologist and we'll see. And I remember when she called me, she said, he said it was a great idea and I really should do that. And I thought, well, duh. But yeah, if your therapist is telling you it's too mild or Come back whenever you have swelling and it doesn't go away. Run away from them because you need to get into compression earlier. If you suspect you have it or if you have had lymph nodes removed, I know we're talking about primary today, but mm-hmm. just to highlight that, if if you have any signs and symptoms, you can get into compression earlier. You don't have to wait for the lymphedema to move in and set up shop. You can get ahead of it. Just to add on to your point there, um, preventative, there's also preventative for primary in my mind, and I'm not a medical professional, but I have a cousin um, who, as I said, she's one of the two first cousins that have it, and her daughter has the double eyelashes. She has no presentation of lymphedema to date, but I have advised my cousin to start to get her some funky, very, very low-grade compression socks for things like Disney trips or long, long-haul long flights, um, long road trips, 
Um, I have a friend in Canada who has several siblings and nieces and nephews that have it. And she passed on that tip to me when we were talking about my son. My son works in a restaurant. So he's always on his feet. I, I got my first varicose vein when I was 16 years old. Had I known to wear compression, even preventative, maybe I would have delayed it even more. Who knows? That's exactly right. I feel like preventative, especially with a family history, would be mm-hmm. such a good way to protect the future, not to right. hide it from them, but just to protect it from them. I think that would be great. And I feel like I feel like your father would have wanted to offer that to you. So I feel like that's a great thing to offer to other relatives in your family. So I, I think that's a great suggestion. Mm-hmm. Vern, I feel like we could talk for hours. Um, yes. <laughs> I do look forward to meeting you in person and we can talk for hours and, uh, catch up and just, oh, I just have enjoyed this so much. Uh, thank you for being on with me today. Um, uh, if people are just now learning about you today on this podcast, how can they find you on social media? Oh, all you have to do is search for Limpy Strong. That's L-Y-M as in Mary, P as in Paul, H-I-E, Strong. Um, it's at Living Strong on Instagram and then just Living Strong on Facebook. Uh, we have the official Limpy Strong Inspiration Closed Group. We have the Lymphedema Ready and Fitness Club. And we also have the Lymphedema Table for Limpies and their food. So those three groups are aligned to the, what I refer to as pillars, the main group discusses, uh, discusses symptoms, compression, surgery, uh, just about anything under the sun related to lymphedema. The running club is specifically focused on fitness and the table group is, is focused on moving towards a healthy lifestyle. We don't, uh, we're not the food police or anything like that, not the compression police. Uh, No one's going to tell you what to do directly. We're all adults. Most people online are adults and uh, make their own decisions. All we can do is inform and what you do with the information from there is up to you. Your story is so powerful and encouraging. I just, Thank you again for sharing with me today and for all that you've done and all that you will do to help promote the lymphedema community. You're such a great example of the power of the grassroots organization that is really leading the way to advocate for lymphedema education and research and a cure eventually. So thank you again for that. I just really want to stress how much I appreciate all that you're doing for our community. No problem, of course. Mother Teresa says, Loneliness and the feeling of being unwanted is the most terrible poverty. This podcast is here for you to find friendship and a community for your journey with lymphedema. I hope you've enjoyed learning more about primary lymphedema today. Email me with your story if you would like to share lymphedemapodcast at gmail.com or visit the website lymphedemapodcast.com to submit a topic for another episode. 
Always remember that you are braver and stronger than you think, that you are not alone with lymphedema. You're standing up to it with all of your faith, power, and might. And remember to stay lymphy strong.